all bad things. Tragedy. Tragedies, disasters. That's bad things. Trigger warning for everything possible. What? Straight face. <laughs> I'm Rachel. And I'm David. And this is All Bad Things. I didn't fall for it that time. <laughs> no, you didn't. <clears throat> Sorry. I. Um, but, but I do enjoy your attempts. <laughs> thank you. Um, my mystery side pain has not gone away. So we're still coping with that. And now I've got a cold. Life is just brilliant in 2019 for me so far. <laughs> off to a fantastic start. Yay! We're off and crawling. Um, follow us on Twitter, Twitter, Insta, and Facebook. <laughs> and then you said Insta. I did that purposefully once oh, I said Twitter. Okay. <laughs> Twitter, Insta, and Facebook. Hey, that might be the slang of 10-year-olds. We don't <laughs> know. I don't know any 10-year-olds. Um, email us. Uh, or we're, so our handle is at allbadthingspod. Email us gmail.com. Same thing. Um, on Insta. On Insta. And Twitter. Twitter. And Facebook. <laughs> and Facebook. Um, let us know if you want us to sign anything and send it to you. We've been doing that a lot lately. Yes, we have. <laughs> um, we have sent out several Christmas poems mm-hmm. and had a request for a script, and we're totally getting it out in the mail. So yep. if there's a script you want, we just keep yeah, we've the got, paper. We've got Feel a couple of them lying just, around. Like, yeah. We can't guarantee it's the one you'll want. Right. Or if, <laughs> like... If there's a specific episode you want, let us know, and we'll we'll do our best to find it. Yes, uh, Abby, your uh, <laughs> disco demolition. Your signed script is in yes, the mail. Yes, yes. Um, so we're recording this the Wednesday before it's coming out. So if you have, if you're listening to this and you have you requested uh, something signed last week and you still haven't got it, gotten it, give it like a day or two and then let us know because we can always just mail out another one yeah. if it gets lost in the mail or whatever. But. <laughs> Um, happy birthday to Emily, our um, oh, live yes. tweeter. She's, it's her birthday today. She's officially she in born. her late 20s. <laughs> I think it still counts as mid-20s. No, it's late. <laughs> it's on the other side of five. That's not what you said when I met you when you were 36. That isn't, but that's 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 different. In your 20s, it's different. It's different when you're 36. Okay. <clears throat> okay. And it's especially different when you're in your uh, late 30s, like I am. Especially when your age starts with a four. What? I can't count that high. Um, what are you drinking tonight? I am drinking for the first time in a long time, because remember the last time we went to Asheville? They didn't have this. They did not, because yeah. it's a seasonal. Mm-hmm. I am drinking Burials Skillet Donut Stout. It is so fucking good. I can't and, have it because it's a milk stout, mm-hmm. but I did drink it before I knew it was a milk True. stout, and it was very good. And they serve it in the tap room with a donut hole. <laughs> yes, they do. That's right. Because um, from the donut shop around mm-hmm. the corner. Yep. I forget what they're called. Vortex. Vortex. It very is good. Vortex. Yeah, you're right. But it is delicious. If you are in the state of North Carolina. Keep talking. I'm going to go get a tissue. I'm sure everyone wanted to know that. Yes. Either visit Burial in Asheville, or we have one in Raleigh now. Yes, we do. They just opened this past Saturday. Uh, we have not been there yet. We will. No, we, we will haven't. get there. Yeah. 
But uh, the skillet donut stout is... Mm. It is very good. It's delicious. Yeah. And I am also having an Asheville beer. Yes. Uh, Catawba, who does some really good beers, is a peanut butter chocolate stout. And it's quite good. So... <sighs> All right. <clears throat> so, they're they're uh, they're good for a chilly evening, which is yeah, darker beers, which is what we're having. Season, yeah, tis the season for darker <laughs> beers. I like that season. So um, last week we kind of jumped into our topic pretty quick, and that seemed like a good, probably for everybody, <laughs> including strategy, mostly our listeners. So should we just go ahead and do that? Yeah, let's today? do it. I'm uh, I'm excited. Me too. I'm excited in, about in, this episode in the worst way possible. Yes, but um. So I, let's see, what, what hints did I give you? They were very vague hints. I they know. were vague as hell. What did I, I say? I said that you would have a special area of expertise, knowledge in part of this. The thing that threw me off is you were like, you may know it as this, but it's now called this. I was like. No, no I said you will probably recognize the story, but may not recognize the name of the story. Oh, that was it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I've got nothing. I'm trying to think. Well, a big hint this has happened since we've been together. This disaster happened since we've been together. And as soon as it happened, I was like, I'm going to want to cover this. So that gives you a hint that this has happened since we started our podcast. That's how recent it is. Why can't I think of what it is? Because <laughs> it, it's not something that would jump into your head immediately for multiple reasons that I will address. So are you ready? Yeah, let's do it. <clears throat> this is the story. Of the Humboldt Broncos bus oh, crash. Oh, my God, yeah. <laughs> so you do recognize it by the oh, name. of course. Okay, yeah. all right. So let me, sucks. let me do the intro sentence, and then we'll, we can get into it. So on April 6th, 2018, so this is nine months ago, eight months ago, something like that, a bus carrying the Humboldt Broncos junior ice hockey team and a semi crashed in Saskatchewan, Canada, Killing 16 people and injuring 13 more. Yeah, this sucks. It does, but it's got some... It's got heart to this story. There's heart to this story. I don't know. This is good. I told... Oh, that's Mm -hmm. the other thing I told you is that I kind of teared up while doing this research. And I said I thought it might make you tear up a little bit, too. It probably will. Oh, I especially like... I started writing things purposefully to be a little tear jerky near the end, so... Oh, I see. (laughs) And I have pictures. Mm-hmm. So you've obviously heard of this. Yes. This was kind of, I mean, it was on the news and stuff when it actually happened last year. I remember this. Yeah, it made national news. Yes, yeah. So In the United States, even though it had happened in, in, in a different country. Canada, yeah, yeah. Um, so this is kind of an unusual topic for us because it's a vehicle collision. The only other vehicle collision we've covered is Le Mans. Le Mans. And, and that's, that that's, was specific. That's professional racing. Yes, that was a race yeah. disaster. Vehicle collisions are, I mean, they, but they happen every second of every day. Exactly. Um, so there's a couple reasons I wanted to cover this disaster. Like I said, first, this had happened, like, after we had been doing our pod for, like, nine months or so. And I remember thinking when it happened, like, oh, man, this is going to make for a compelling story. Um, And second, of all of the disasters that we have covered, nothing is likelier to happen to any of us 
than dying in a vehicle collision. That is true. It's horrible. That's very true. It's horrible. I had, so, a, I had a brush with that just a month ago. Yes, you did. <laughs> we all have brushes with it basically daily. Mm-hmm. You know. So, to be specific and make us all very, very paranoid, <laughs> I'm going to play the uh, You're More Likely to X Than Y game. While you're driving to work, listening to <laughs> yes. this. Yes. <laughs> this will make you feel better, or it'll make you feel more alert. We're trying to, uh, we're trying to help you, on your, right? On your right? Commute. Yeah, yeah. Defensive driving and all that. Um, so we've covered a bunch of. So, so anyway, we, you know, you hear the like, you're more likely to get struck by lightning than die in a plane crash, sort of thing. Yeah. But we've covered multiple plane crashes, yes, we have. but they are not as common as car crashes, obviously. Um, according to now, I'm going to be kind of U.S. centric in a lot of my research here because we are in the United States, and obviously every country will have different ranges that are common. You know, we also have a very large population, so it's kind of a large sample size that I think. Um, makes some of the statistics a little bit, you know, from a broader sample. So according to the NTSB, there were 38,958 total transportation-related fatalities in the U.S. in 2017. Wow. So almost four, well, 39,000 people, say. Yeah. Um, And 350 of those were due to, to aviation incidents. So that's okay. that's less than 1%. Yeah. To put that in perspective, rail-related deaths, there were 761, twice as many. Really? Yes, from rail. Now, in all fairness, like more than half of those were due to trespassing, so people being sure. stupid. But anyway, um, obviously, the most common transportation-related death is in motor vehicles. In 2017, it was 37,133. Um Now, to break things down into likelihood, which takes into account deaths um, per mile traveled versus just annual uh, statistics, uh, the biggest threat to Americans is the very awful but also very undramatic heart disease and cancer. We have a one in seven chance of dying of heart heart disease or cancer. Um, Motor vehicles... Motor vehicle crashes, you have a 1 in 114 chance of dying, which I'll, I'll, is still I'll take a little that. higher than I'd like it to be. It but is, but I'll take it over 1 in 7. Yeah. Do you know that risk of dying in a fall is 1 in 127? So it's just behind dying in a crash. Yeah. So okay. step lightly. Um, <laughs> know the, your exits. <laughs> yes. The chance of dying in an air and space transport incident, which... Might come into play more down the road when we're doing, you know, like space tourism. Space and transport has had its fair share of deaths. Yes. And we've covered several of them. Uh huh. The chances are di- of dying in, it, and this is lifetime chances, you know, is one in 9,821. So much. M- a one in a million. Distant. Literally. Not just quite, about. Just about. Close 9,821 is not close to oh, a million. Oh, I, I thought you said 900,000. No, no, I'm no, sorry. No. I was like, what? <laughs> it's okay. like not quite close to a million. Um, you're more One likely. 10,000. <clears throat> right. In America, you're more likely to die by a firearm than by a plane crash, which, welcome to America. Well, sure. You know. Um, that's, that's kind of, that, that's a given. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Both intentional and unintentional <laughs> yes. discharges. So. 
Um, as for Canada, because this took place in Canada, approximately 2,800 to 29,000 auto or motor vehicle accident deaths occur each year. So around 3,000, which is way less than 37,000. But we also have a much bigger population. Um, now I did some Rachel math here. <laughs> Hopefully I did this right. Okay. We're doing kilometers again. No, it's okay. how many deaths per 10,000 people. Okay. I've The way I figured it in the U.S., it's 1.2 deaths per 10,000 people every year are from motor vehicle accidents. Okay. In Canada, it's 0.8 deaths per 10,000 people. So, so they have a, lower, a significantly lower rate. Yeah. yeah. We have like a 50% higher death rate. So, but that was Rachel math anyway, so take that with a grain of salt. But, um, so that might explain why we don't cover car crashes very much. They're just as awful as they are. They're hideously common. Yeah. You know, and yes, they definitely still count as a disaster. Um, it's just very, very common. Um, but so this should tell you how compelling I found this story because I thought it was worth telling, even though the actual cause of it or the actual tragedy itself is really common Mm -hmm. so happens every day yeah yeah it really does somebody dies in a car accident every single day right now high casualty incidents are less common sure you know a lot of people a lot of people just one person dies in an accident you know or two or three people or whatever so all right so uh of course as always we'll get started with our geography corner uh this is our first Canadian disaster, which I cannot believe. Really? The, technically, the Edmund Fitzgerald sank in Canadian waters, yeah. but it was in Lake Superior, so it was on the border, basically. And it was a U.S. ship. Yeah. So it, I wouldn't necessarily call that, you know, having happened in Canada. Um, we also covered a flight, I think it was going, and I don't even remember the name, and I forgot to look it up, from Texas to Toronto, it was but it going, crashed. Yes, but it crashed. Or no, in the it didn't States. crash. It was the fire. Yes. Remember, they landed in Cincinnati. Yes. I think it was. It landed and then, yeah, and then cut on and fire and exploded. Yeah, yeah, it exploded. So but it was on its way to Toronto. Yes, it was. Because we, we were happen. talking about uh, YYZ. Yes, we were. That's right. Um, so this crash happened in Saskatchewan, firmly in in Canada. Um, yeah, it doesn't get more Canada, really, than Saskatchewan. Right. Now... You get a uh, little, bit, little bit of a mix of everything. Right. Uh, and it's also one of the funnest named provinces. Saskatchewan and on and on and on. <laughs> um, also, I have had... Um, I apologize, Canada. <laughs> I have had the Mystery Science Theater Final Sacrifice episode <laughs> song, Oh, I Wish I Was Back in Old Canada, stuck in my head all week because of this. Uh, I, that is a good one. For the record, I fucking love Canada. Yeah, Canadians, Canada's awesome. Canada's, like, too good for us. We're, I don't know, I, like, Justin Trudeau's my president. <laughs> well, he's not, but. No, he, in my heart, he is. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Canada, you are too pure for this world. That's that's what it is. Because I grew up so close to Canada. You grew you grew up across literally a river across a river from Cornwall, Ontario. Mm. So. For the longest time, I didn't realize. I kind of didn't realize Canada was a different country uh-huh. until I moved to the southeast. Because where I grew up, everybody's been to Canada, right? Multiple hundreds of times, thousands of times. 
I've only been once yeah. when we went to Niagara Falls. But when I moved to Greenville, South Carolina, nobody I'd met no. had ever been there. And, I, and then I, I was like, oh, yeah, it is a different country, isn't it? If you're in the northern <laughs> states, way more people have been been to Canada, obviously. Oh, yeah. Like, if you're in the Pacific Northwest, people have been to mm-hmm. B.C. Even in Minnesota, plenty of people had been up to Canada. Oh, yeah. Well, I far. mean, if Vermont, Maine. Yeah, yeah, you know, Most exactly. people from Massachusetts have been there at least once, mm-hmm. I hope. Yeah, um, so let's see how well you know your Canadian geography. I'm terrible. Uh, so Saskatchewan, which of the provinces is it from like east to west? Where do you think it falls? It's, it is a little bit on the western side and it's right next to Manitoba. You're right. Manitoba is, is east of, is the province to the east of Saskatchewan. What's to its west? Is it BC? No, no, there's one in between. Alberta. Very good. Okay. Yes, and Calgary is in Alberta, right? Yes, it is. Okay. So is Edmonton. Okay. Yes. A. Oh yeah. Uh, what is to its north? It should be pretty easy. I think it's it's one of the territories, isn't it? Northwest Territories. Okay. Yeah. Not Nunavut or whatever. That is a new territory. Is I learned. It? I looked that up on Wikipedia. Did Wik- you? Be, it became a territory it? in 1999. What was it before then? It was just part of the Yukon Territory. Oh. I remember hearing about the Yukon Territory. Nanuit or... Nunavut. Nunavut. Yeah. Yeah. So I didn't... Because when I saw that, I don't know what we were... Yeah. Oh, we were looking at the the map at TWR. That's what it was. Yeah. And I'm like, what is this? What does NU stand for? Yeah. (laughs) I'm like, I don't Uh know what this is. Uh Uh-huh. Yep. Um, and sorry, I haven't lived uh, close to Canada in quite a long time. It's all right. You just said sorry, so (laughs) you get a pass. Hey. Um... Montana and North Dakota are to itself in the U.S. So if if you're in the U.S., that might be a little bit easier to uh, visualize. So the crash... Yeah, the the cowboy-style Midwest. Yeah, exactly. The crash occurred near Armley, which is a very rural, unincorporated community um, in basically like central northern... lots of those in Canada. There are. Um, Saskatchewan. I've I've, I've played in a couple places that were... Well, Most likely looking back on it unincorporated. Yes. So casually speaking, it's way the fuck up in the Great White North. So, um, oh, other side. <laughs> uh, it is 335 kilometers or 208 miles north of Regina. So, like, Regina and then keep going north. And I know it's Regina and not Regina. <laughs> and... 237 kilometers or 150 miles northeast of Saskatoon. Okay. Which Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, that's one of the best names ever. There is a uh, 70s song. It's in the movie Slap Slapshot. It's uh-huh. called A uh, Little South of Saskatoon. <laughs> so cute. Mm-hmm. So Canada. Um, also to visualize it, your Edmonton is in Alberta. And Edmonton is pretty much as far north as you get. It in, is. In it's Alberta. like the it's like the last city in but Canada until you get to like mm-hmm. yeah the the Yukon ter- really or the Northwest Territories. Well, Armley is about the same distance north. Oh, okay. So so it's I looked at Google Maps multiple times for this story, and the roads basically stop north mm-hmm. of this area. So. Yeah, Edmonton always has been and still is, and it's an oil community. Right. I A big-time one. Last podcast on the left is um, 
doing the case of Mark Twitchell, the Dexter copycat oh, yeah, right. killer. And he was doing all this in Edmonton. And they talked about how its nickname is Deadmonton. <laughs> so it's apparently kind of a hard scrapple place. Yeah, it's kind of at the it's at like the real end of the earth. That's what they were like saying. Pretty fucking yeah. close to it. Yeah, as close as you want to get. Mm-hmm. So the majority of the people involved in this crash were players on the humble Broncos. Now here's where your expertise can maybe come in. Okay. The the Broncos are a Canada Junior A ice hockey team. Mm-hmm. Uh, they play in the Saskatchewan Junior Hockey League. Okay. So I I literally wrote in. I'm gonna write, read you exactly what I wrote. Now at this point, it is possible that David will just take over completely and explain <laughs> everything I'm about to. But I'll write this just in case because otherwise this is going to be kind of like the time I tried to explain the English Premier League. <laughs> This is uh, a little, a little bit easy, easier to explain than the uh, mm-hmm. than the Premier League. So we're talking um, Junior A. What was the their full Saskatchewan Junior Hockey okay. League? Okay. So to me, that is uh, junior level, junior level playing, which is right before semi-professional, which would be one of the actual... That's CHL, right? Canada Hockey League? Yes. Okay. That So that's like the, um, like you said, the semi-professional. So this is sort but of like the as, minors to the... But as like teenagers and young adults. Right. Like they're these 16 are to the, 20. Yes. That's what junior mm-hmm. is. 16 to 20. I did. They do it. get paid. Not very much. Okay. But they, they get like a per diem and stuff like so that. So they're not like college players or something. No. They're, they're being paid. But they are playing. If you're playing in one of these leagues, because nowadays it is players from all over, all over the world that right. play Canadian junior hockey. Right. It's essentially an audition for, for the future stars of the NHL. Even That's in the junior is. A level? Yes. Okay. Especially on the junior A level. Because you're up there in the ranking. Yeah. You're just one step below the actual CHL. There is also the Western Hockey League. There is the OHL um, and the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. Oh, okay. So this is just a step below that. Okay. So this is the pre-junior stars. Okay. Okay. I think these kids were like probably uh, like 13 to 17, 18. No, 16 to 20. 16 They're to, still oh, they 16 were. To 20. Okay. This is still junior hockey league. So it seems to me this is like a. Okay. Yeah. Anyway. Um, so, so what I have is that the Saskatchewan Junior Hockey League is part of the Western Zone region of the Canadian Junior Hockey League, uh, which is, from what I can tell, sort of like a minor league. Of amateur hockey or semi-pro, like you said, pretty much um, being the junior A level of the CHL. Okay, it's, um, the, it's the CHL that's throwing me off. Okay, because the leagues that I know that are the the big time junior leagues, uh-huh. which is the, this is what we're talking about, uh-huh. are the OHL, um, the Western Hockey League, the uh-huh. WHL, and the. Quebec Major Junior <laughs> Hockey League. The QMJHL. QM- yes. Wow. That's a tough one. Um, just to have looked it up, uh, the Canadian Hockey League is known as the Ligue Canadienne du Hockey to our French Canadian friends. Oui, oui. Um, junior is ages 16 to 20. And quick side note, it must be really weird being one of the 16-year-olds in, like, Playing with 20-year-olds? That's it's, a big... No, it's generally more weird being one of the 20-year-olds because that means you haven't gone to the NHL yet or oh, one of their farm teams. 
you're like really trying to make when it. When you're 16, you're in juniors, you're pretty much surrounded by 16, 17, 18 year olds. Okay. The 19 and the 20 year olds, they're like, why are you guys still hanging around like, in shit, this I, league? I've got to, I've got to try and get breakthrough here. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So just the opposite, but it's, it would be reasonable to think that way. Okay. But no, it's, it's a league where you play like one or two seasons, uh-huh. show what you've got. And you're and you move on, and you're getting drafted, and you're you're oh, gonna be on one of their or, farm teams, or you're figuring out what else you're doing with mm-hmm. your life. Okay, or you'll go straight to the NHL. A lot of players well, do. Well, well, let's talk about that. So each zone, it, like so, so the Saskatchewan Junior Hockey League is in the Western Zone, and each zone has two or three leagues in them, and each of these zones has their own regional championship. The winners go to the Royal Bank Cup for the national championship. So that's kind of how that works. Okay. There's a lot of teams, basically, is how that works. Um, A bunch of people have gone straight from playing in the Canadian Junior Hockey League to playing in the NHL, including current Carolina Hurricanes coach Rod Brindamore. Yes. Who I swear I thought was Rob no, Rod. Until I read that. Oh, okay. I thought he was Rob Brindamore. <laughs> He's Rod Brindamore. Um, so anyway, yes, the impression I got is that playing in the SJHL and in the C- CJHL in general is enviable because it can potentially advance your professional hockey career. Like you said, yeah. you get spotted, you get you know pushed up the ranks. You're playing against the best players in the world right. in your age group. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the Broncos players were not obviously native to Humboldt. They no. had they had mm-hmm. moved there yeah. specifically, like from all over Western Canada to play. And I'm like sure that. they had some American players. Yeah, and probably. Probably some international mm-hmm. players. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the Humboldt Broncos as a team are, of course, the team itself is from Humboldt, Saskatchewan, which is about 120, 112 kilometers or seven, 70 miles directly east of Saskatoon. So, again, still middle of nowhere, Saskatchewan. A little bit east of Saskatoon. <laughs> oh, is that the song you're talking yes. about? <laughs> but it was called a little south. bit south. A <laughs> little bit southeast <laughs> of Saskatoon. If anybody wants a copy of those lyrics. <laughs> we'll sign them and send them. Um, I, will, I will read that in shame. <laughs> <laughs> Um, the Broncos were established in 1970 and won the Royal Bank Cup in 2003 and 2008. Um, fun fact, their mascot is a horse named Slapshot. Nice. It's <laughs> a good name for a horse. Better than the pig, bear, cow, monkey. <laughs> it's a pig. That is uh, It's called Stormy. Stormy. <laughs> but the name of the team is the Hurricanes, so Stormy, it, it fits. That, that makes sense, but it a is- pig? Well, well we, North we, Carolina. We eat a lot of pork here. A lot of, lot of pigs here. A lot of... Yeah, um, we grill Stormy after the game. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really. Literally. And, a, and then pull him apart. <laughs> pick him. <laughs> and I'm, yeah, I'm not even pick, joking. Pick him. No, you're not. You're not. Um, we vegans don't do that, just for the record. Uh, so the humble Broncos rivals in the SJHL, because this is fun and I just want to name all these teams, are the... Estevan Bruins. Of course they are. Or maybe it's Estevan. I don't know. It's Canadian. Uh, The Melville Millionaires. The Weyburn Red Wings. The Yorkton Terriers. The Battlefords North Stars. I like that one. The Kindersley Clippers with a K. (laughs) The Notre Dame Hounds. I love this one. The Flin Flon Bombers. Okay, yes. The LaRange Ice Wolves. 
the Melfort Mustangs <laughs> and the Nipawin Hawks. Of course. <laughs> Those all sound very Canadian and, and very uh, junior hockey. There's nothing all more Canadian them. than all of that. <laughs> what the, was the very last one? The Nippawin? Nippawin Hawks. Nippawin Hawks. Nippawin Hawks. They will come in, into play in this story. Oh, no. In the 2017-2018 regular season, the Broncos had a 33-19-3 record. Pretty good. Uh, they had made it to the playoffs basically every year in their history, more or less, and especially in their recent history, except they did not make the playoffs in 2016. But in 2018, um, so this was the playoffs for the 17-18 season, the Broncos defeated the Melford Mustangs four games to one in the first round of the playoffs. They went on to play the mighty Nippowin Hawks <laughs> in late March and early April in the second round. They lost the first two games won the third, and lost the fourth, which was played on Wednesday, April 4th. So the Hawks were leading them three to one, Mm -hmm. and they had to get to game five in Nippowin. And that's where this, oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. So I told you, this is going to be a little bit of a tough one. There's almost nothing purer than little Canadian boys playing a little ice hockey. So traveling by bus is nothing new for these hockey guys. Obviously, they probably do it pretty constantly. Um, Not only are they used to schlepping to different cities to play road games, but they're doing it in the winter months. Um, And that can obviously make for really treacherous travel, especially Canada, middle of nowhere, snow, ice, the whole bit. So on Friday, April 6th, 2018, the Broncos were traveling back to Nippowin from Humboldt for Game 5 of their playoff series with the Hawks. So Nippowin is about 200 kilometers or 125 miles northeast of Humboldt. So Humboldt's kind of middle of nowhere, but Nippowin's like even... It's basically the last town until you get to... It's like, this is it. Yeah. Like, turn back now. Exactly. Um, And it's about a two-hour drive to Nippowin from Humboldt. It was a clear and sunny day. There was snow on the ground, but the roads were clear. I mean, this is Canada. They know how to keep all their roads clear. Um, The bus was driven by 59-year-old Glenn Dirksen, and he had 28 passengers on his bus. Obviously, mostly players and um, not crew. What am I trying to say? Personnel. Coaching staff. Yeah, yeah, staff. So the bus was about 27 kilometers or 17 miles about 20, 20 minutes south of Nippowin, around 5 p.m. local time. So again, clear, sunny. It's April at 5 o'clock. So it's not, and we're not talking like late at night or anything. Like right. it's a clear and bright and everything day. They were near Armley, as I mentioned before. So like unincorporated area. The bus was traveling northbound on Saskatchewan Highway 35, approaching the intersection of Highway 35 and Saskatchewan Highway 335, which intersects it running east to west. The intersection is known as Armley Corner and actually has kind of a history of being a little bit dangerous. In 1997, six members of one family were killed in a fatal wreck at the intersection. They were in a pickup truck. Traveling on 335, ran the stop sign at the intersection, and were hit by a tractor trailer traveling on 35. As a result, oversized stop signs and those flashing warning lights that it's a stop sign were installed. 
at the intersection um, to make the stop more visible. Um, they also put six white crosses at the intersection on Highway 35 to mark the deaths. I looked at this intersection on Google Maps Street View, and you can totally see those crosses. No like, shit. yeah, you can see this this intersection completely clear. Um, the stop signs are for the drivers traveling on 335, so the east-west highway. They are required to stop, but the north-south travelers are not. So they have to yield right of way to the people traveling north and south on, on 35. So around 5 p.m. local time, a semi was traveling westbound on Highway 35. It was driven by 29-year-old Jaskarat Singh Sidhu, a man from Calgary, who was driving the truck for Adesh Dale Trucking Limited. Uh, Sidhu was new to truck driving. He had only been driving trucks for about a year, and he had completed his training on the specific truck he was driving two weeks before. Oh. As for the... So the Broncos bus was heading northbound, came to the intersection of Highway 35 and 335. Sidhu ran the stop sign... Um, now, I don't know if that means he literally just glided through it or if he stopped but then kept going and didn't yield. Um, but we'll, we'll get yeah, into that okay. a little bit more. Um, but as a result, the bus broadsided the semi. God damn. The bus was essentially torn apart. Uh, the front, in the words of the New York Times, was, quote, obliterated. Jesus Christ. It was split in half, top to bottom. So, like, the top half was lying on one side and the bottom half on the other. Uh, the semi was all... The tractor was also on its side. The trailer was, like, completely upside down, oh, flipped sure around. Oh, I'm sure it was twisted. And, and its uh, load was completely scattered at the scene. And I've got p- pictures of... No bodies. Just... This is the intersection. Holy shit. Yeah. And like you can see it's straight. There's no mountains, yeah. nothing. You can see for miles. Um, this is apparently, do you see these green and white? Like mm. it, it almost looks like paper boxes or yeah. something. It's peat moss apparently. Okay. I don't know if it's in boxes or what. But that is the tractor and the trailer. And then do you see the two halves of the bus? Mm-hmm. So. Fucking yeah. A. It was bad. Yeah. Um, And so both vehicles ended up on the northwest corner, which you can see here. They ended up off the road, on the the side of the road in the northwest corner of the intersection on the snowy ground nearby. The crash was witnessed by another driver named Kelsey Fiddler, who was waiting to turn at the intersection. So she was at the stop sign on the other side. She said the bus appeared to be just going a normal speed for the road, not speeding or anything like that. And she said that she had to, like, get the fuck out oh, of the way. Oh, I'm sure. So they yeah. were headed, like, right towards her, and she had to just yeah. fucking I was going to say, she's kind of lucky she didn't get... Yes, uh, yes. Didn't get hit by all the mm-hmm. debris and shit. Mm-hmm. And holy now, fuck. Now, from what I could tell, as is completely standard, um, the bus didn't have seatbelts for passengers. Oh, man. Um, so nothing, nothing new. I mean, most of us drove, like, who took buses to school, like, you don't have no. a seatbelt, so... Um, the problem is, uh, this big bus was hit by an even bigger vehicle. Um, so the accident scene was a gruesome one. 14 people aboard the bus were killed on site, like were killed on impact, um, including Glenn Dirksen, the driver. 
The remaining 15 people on board the bus suffered injuries, three of them critical. Um, Jaskarat Sidhu was not injured, the driver of the semi. He wasn't hurt. Right, because he had kind of gone past the impact point on on his truck. Right. I'm not sure what part of it. Well, they broadsided him. So so while his trailer was on its side, so it's not like there was Mm -hmm. no danger to him, but he did not get physically injured. Jesus. I know, this is bad. So, Fiddler, um, Kelsey Fiddler, who was the witness, called 911. Um, police arrived within about 15 minutes. Not a huge shock that it took a little while. Not in the middle um, of nowhere. An estimated. I mean, if eight, you look at these pictures. Oh, I know. There's nothing. There's nowhere. Like, you can see two miles in the distance and it's and, just white. And the odds of these two vehicles meeting up at the same time. Yes. Is. Right. Huge, yeah. The, I mean, it's it's next to impossible. Right, right. It's like basically an abandoned intersection, it looks like, yeah. Jesus Christ. Um, an estimated 80 first responders came to assist at the wow. crash site from multiple nearby I'm, towns. I'm sure. Three helicopters were sent by the Shock Trauma Air Rescue Society, also called STARS, um, to the crash site to airlift some of the injured victims to the hospital along with four ambulance airplanes. So they mostly got airlifted, which makes sense because... Look at that. A catastrophe happens in Canada and immediately they know what the fuck to do. Mm-hmm. Like, no questions right? asked. Nope, just, just get them to the hospital. We got helicopters. We've got the, the, the fucking Royal... The the Mounties probably oh, showed yes. up. They probably the had... RCMP absolutely did, did, yeah. did they? Mm-hmm. I was only mm-hmm. joking about that. No, no, no. We'll talk... The RCMP was actually in charge of the investigation. So okay. So we'll get into. So. No shit. Um, but yeah, just talk about being on their game. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that saved people's lives. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the injured were taken to the Royal University Hospital in Saskatoon. So Saskatoon was I was going to say it was the closest big, city. Bigger city, yeah. Yeah. Um, and for a bigger city in Canada, we mean uh, a city of 80,000 <laughs> right? people. Like, that's a large city <laughs> Canada. As family members of the dead and injured traveled oh to the area, God. I mean, this is last year. Cell phones, you know, everything. It's it's This might as well have happened last month. Like, this is super recent. So, um, as they traveled to the area, they were told to wait at a church in Nipawin. So, they started gathering in a church waiting for information and I read, and I kind of didn't put this in here, but I'll mention it anyway. Um, uh, I read an account from the father of one of the kids who died. And he said, and there's a, there's a little bit of, I, this didn't quite make sense to me, but they were saying that on the bus, they tended to sit from younger kids up front to the older guys in the back. Mm-hmm. So the idea was that more younger kids got injured because the front sure. was, or, or got injured or killed. Um, but I actually have the list of the dead and, and it didn't really shake out that way necessarily. So anyway, but he was saying that like the, as he was waiting to hear about his son, um, a lot of the people who were hearing about their kids, oh yeah, he's okay. He's, he just got hurt, whatever. Um, were the parents and family of the of the veterans mm-hmm. and fewer like more people who so he knew the like the like the older kids sit in the back yeah the, yeah <sighs> but it kind it kind of didn't work that out that way in the end. anyway we'll, sure. we'll get to it so 
But just knowing that, wait. I know. This is so sad. Anyway, within a few days, uh, two of the critically injured victims died from their injuries. So that's how it came to a death toll of 16. Um, One of the people who died from their injuries was the team's athletic therapist, Dana Bronze, the only woman on that bus. Everyone else was male. Um, Identifying the dead was actually surprisingly difficult all of the players had dyed their hair blonde they were all growing playoff beards the ones who could obviously yeah i was gonna say not everybody (laughs) and most of them (laughs) there are certain nhlers that still can't grow (laughs) exactly and most of them did not have any wallets or identification on them so initially they used the team's roster to get their height and weight to try and and identify who was who. Um, one, uh, that's what the coroner's office used initially. And then obviously, like, families had to identify people. Uh, one of the critically injured was a player with severe facial injuries, identified by his family as Parker Tobin, the team's 18-year-old goalie. When So within a couple of days, this kid woke up from from in the hospitals within a couple of days of the crash and he said quote i'm not parker tobin end quote wow it was then realized that the survivor was actually another player named xavier labelle and their families basically had to switch places oh so God. the one family thought that their kid was dead the other was by what they thought was their kid's bedside and then he wakes up. He's like, I'm sorry, I'm not your kid. That family had to go, like, realize their kid was dead. And then the other family was like, holy fuck, our kid's alive, and go to the hospital. Um, and and th- these are all, all of these parents, by the way, because I grew up playing hockey, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you go on, I mean, you go on road trips every weekend. Yeah. I mean, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Um, so all the parents know each other. Yeah, Every, yeah. Everybody knows each other. Yeah. It's, it's, uh-huh. it's, it really a is like a, it is a giant family. Mm-hmm. And I can't imagine, uh, it's not like they felt good that all of no. a sudden their child is alive and no. somebody else that they know personally, their child is dead. Right. That's but, what, what I found really like this, one of the many sort of heartwarming, but also awful aspects of this whole thing. Um, the family reportedly that was like shit. Our kid is dead. Apparently, like expressed that they were happy for the other family, and no one harbored any resentment that it was a misidentification. Yeah, because it was, it was just, just like, what are you gonna do? Yeah. It's just one of those things. Um, obviously, the Tobins were very upset that their son was actually dead, but um, they also managed to express joy for the other family for the labels for finding out that their son was alive yeah i know yeah yeah fuck that i know that's terrible i know so uh, we talked about um dirksen who died the bus driver uh bronze the athletic therapist and and tobin who was misidentified but was dead here's the rest of the fatalities um, Adam Harold, he was 16, mm. the youngest person to die. Connor Lucan, um, who was 21. Evan Thomas, who was 18. Jacob Leicht, Leicht, L-E-I-C-H-T. Uh, liked? Le- liked, something like that. He was 19. 
Jackson Joseph, who was 20. He was the son of Chris Joseph, a former NHL player who played on and off in the league for about 20 years. Okay. Well, through over a 20-year span. Apparently he played like six total seasons within about a 20-year span. Logan Boulay, 21. This this was actually, again, another one of the heartwarming aspects. He had just signed up to be an organ donor oh, a few weeks earlier. Okay. Which I, I wanted to say something when we went to the DMV today and they asked you if you wanted to remain an organ donor. Yeah, I was I was like, oh, this is, this is pertinent. Yeah. Six of his organs were harvested and donated and saved lives. Good. So good for him. Yeah. <clears throat> um, newsflash. I'm dead. I don't need it anymore. Take it all. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah. Like, like, I don't give a shit. Uh, you know like, what I would love? You know what I would really love? Transplant my face. I want to see my face on some. Well, I won't. That's see it a little on creepy. Else. I, I don't. I don't even want to know what no, happens after life. No, I think that's super cool. Seem, no, that seems that seems kind of weird and scary. Anyway, we'll we'll move on from that. But um, when it came out, like in the press, that Boulay had had donated a bunch of his organs and had only recently signed up. About three thousand people in Alberta registered as organ donors that weekend. Nice. Where the weekly average in the pro- the entire province was four hundred twenty-five. Wow. So okay. that news like made a whole bunch of people go out and register as organ donors. So that's like that's one of those heartwarming parts about it. I think. PSA: Be an organ donor. You're not going to need those fuckers when you're dead. So don't hang on to them. Save save a few people's lives. Um. Logan Hunter, who is 18, and Logan Schatz, who is 20. There's three Logans who died on this bus. I don't, I'm, Logan must be a Canadian hockey name. I don't know. Um, but Logan Schatz was the team's captain. Uh, Stephen Wack, who was 21. Brody Hines, or Hins, I'm not sure which, he was 18. He was the team's statistician. Uh, Darcy Haugen, 42. Uh, mm. was the Broncos' head coach. Okay. He had played professionally in Sweden and as a college player at Northern Michigan University. Mark Cross, 27, the Broncos' assistant coach, and Tyler Bieber, 29, I don't know if any relation to Justin, he's Canadian too, uh, he was the play-by-play guy for radio broadcaster traveling with the team. Mm. So the RCMP, Royal Canadian Mounted Police, investigated the crash, and on July 6th, 2018, they announced the arrest of Jasker Atsidu. Oh, okay. He was charged with 16 counts of dangerous driving causing death and 13 counts of dangerous driving causing bodily harm. So for each person who died, it was for mm-hmm. causing death. For each person who was injured, you know, it was bodily harm. Sidhu reportedly and understandably suffered some severe psychological I effects. Fuck yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, from the crash. It's, it's an accident. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he wasn't fucking planning. He was not like he got up that morning right? like, hey, you know, I know what I'm going to do And today. wasn't drunk no. or, or didn't, didn't. Just a fucking accident. Wasn't high, wasn't doing. Yeah, it was an accident. Um, and he had to receive mental health support, obviously, yeah. because this was so traumatizing. So this is where this, this gets really crazy. I was doing my research Monday and Tuesday of this week, which was January 7th and 8th. Yesterday, I googled to, I was at this point in my research, and I was like, okay, let me find out, like, is the guy in jail? What's going on with him? So I, I, I googled Jaskarat Singh Sidhu. 
And literally, like, two hours before I Googled, he had pled guilty. Really? Yes. Like, it just timed out that way. If I had done this story last week, this part would have been unresolved. But okay. It, but I literally just did this. Wow. Th- th- this was highly like coincidental of when I was doing this. So I said, yes, literally, as I am typing this. <laughs> um, so he pled guilty to the charges. According to his attorney, Sidhu said, quote, I just want to plead guilty. I don't want you to plea bargain. I don't want a trial. I don't want to make things any worse. I can't make things any better, but I certainly don't want to make them worse by having a trial. End quote. So that's what he said. And then the attorney went on to say he wanted, quote, he wanted the families to know that he's devastated by the grief he's caused them. And he's overwhelmed by the expressions of sympathy and kindness that some of the families and players have expressed to him, in spite of the fact that their grief is entirely his fault, end quote. Um, Broncos president Jamie Brockman said in response, quote, I commend Mr. Sidhu for taking responsibility for his actions and sparing the survivors of, and the families the anguish and turmoil of rehashing this tragedy in court, end quote. Now, because this literally just happened like yesterday, no joke, um, no one knows what his sentence will be. Sure. Sentencing will be later. Right. The court is actually adjourned until the end of this month anyway, so it's we're, we're not even going to find out in the next couple weeks. The maximum sentence for dangerous driving causing death um, is 14 years in Canada, and bodily harm is 10. I don't know if that's that many years for each count. He's sure. also pleading. He might get a lower, a lesser punishment. Who knows? No, Nobody really knows. But... Um, So we still have a little bit left to go, but I did. This is one of the things that was just, this reminded me of the, um, the station nightclub fire. Like one of the first things we covered, actually the first first thing thing we covered covered. that the, the road manager, I think it was the road manager, right? Or the band manager, who was it? Who, who actually set off the pyrotechnics? It was the manager. Yeah. Yes. How he like expressed very similar sentiments, just like, yeah, look, it's like I did it. I'm I, so sorry this yeah. happened. I can't undo it. And and you can't beat me up any worse than I'm beating myself up. So do whatever you want. That'll make you feel better. Like just not wanting to drag things out, not wanting to hurt people anymore. Um, I found this really like, especially knowing the guy like had serious trauma to deal with because of this. I mean, and of course he would. But it was it like good on the the players and the families and the survivors being like, look, this sucks. But this guy didn't deliberately try to kill our children. No, it's and of course not. And any like every single one of us have pulled some stupid ass move while driving that should have gotten us into a lot of trouble and didn't or killed. Yeah, yeah, like we've all been there. So the that's the thing with car accidents and near misses things like everybody has at least one story. Absolutely. Every adult, you know, that is, I mean, I mean, 18 plus everybody's got a story Mm -hmm. of either a wreck happened or they just avoided one or I mean, it's a it is the most dangerous thing we do on a daily (laughs) basis. It, It is. Yeah. So like. I feel really bad for this guy. 
I do. I, I feel it's, terrible that that's... It's an accident. It is an accident, but it's an Google, accident. Google the crossroad where this happened. Yeah. It is in the fucking middle. It's at the end of the earth, almost literally. And we'll get into the, a little at the bit, end of, like, the safety concerns about this intersection, sure. too. Um, but, and, and I can see why that... Because I can see how high the snow is. Obviously, it's in... Yeah, you this can tell. This is going to come into play, too. This, I'm these sure. These trees. We'll, yeah. we'll talk about those in a minute. Yeah, you should at least have a light there. Uh, yeah, yeah, right? At the very least. Yeah. Um, wow. So uh, that that was one whole section of this that I just felt like that poor guy. I, I actually feel really bad for him. And you know what? He did the most honorable thing he could possibly do. Like, we all fuck up. And the only thing we can do is take responsibility. Is own it. Like, you're not yeah. going to make up for it ever. You can't. Like, something like this, you, you can't. There's no recompense for that. You can't bring somebody back to life. All you can do is take responsibility. And, and he, you know, he's doing the right thing. I think he's just saying, I'm just calling myself guilty. Do what you want with me. You know, so. Um, for this, guys, just because, like, the suffering should stop as much as possible, as much as it possibly can. Obviously, it's not going to for the families or whatever. But hopefully, this guy is still getting the mental health support he needs. Hopefully, everybody is mm-hmm. um, to try and at least pick up with their lives as much as they can. Yeah. You know? So, um, in October of 2018, Sue Kinder Singh, the owner of a Dashdale Trucking Limited which was the company that Cedar was driving for, was charged with violating safety regulations, mostly involving, like, logs of the truck and monitoring driver compliance. And that is still ongoing, so that has not been resolved. Um, As for civil action, the parents of Adam Harold, the 16-year-old who died, are suing Sidhu, um, a Dash Deal Trucking Limited, and the bus manufacturer. And included in this lawsuit, they are requesting a court order that requires all buses scare- carrying sports team in sports teams in Saskatchewan to have seatbelts. So they're they're like, well, why don't these buses have seatbelts? Let's get them on. So, so that's kind of something they're going for. And the main reason why is because they are literally like rolling tanks. Not when you but, hit a this, semi. But exactly, but that's like the only time it, is it isn't. It is an exception, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, if this right. bus is rolling through an intersection at even like 15 miles an hour right. and like a sedan mm-hmm. runs into it, it They're nothing. not going to feel it, yeah. It's, it's going to keep going. Like, they're not even going to lose a tire. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it just... Yeah. The, the, the fate of this is ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. The Saskatchewan government hired a consulting firm to do a safety review on this intersection of Highway 35 and 335. I mean, remember, another fatal accident happened, happened. like 20 yeah. years earlier. Yeah. Um, Killed a whole, almost a whole family. Basically. The firm concluded that there were visibility concerns at the intersection, specifically that a bunch of trees, which you can still see and are still there. If you mm. go to Google Street View, you can see still see them. Um they obstruct a sure. full view of the intersection. Yeah. So it's possible even that Cedar like stopped and then just kept going instead of like creeping out mm-hmm. or something. So anyway, 
um, they have recommended that the government negotiate. This is all private land. So they, they recommended that the government negotiate with this landowner to remove those trees um, and also to install rumble strips approaching sure. the stop sign and like bigger signage to stop so make it even more and and visible. let's let's put a light there if well that's possible. at this point that I might mean, be the, it, it's a highway which is a little tricky to install a light on a highway it is if you're going at it but if you give a lot of warning it, ahead of, yeah, yeah like a quarter of a mile ahead of time right like you are going to have to stop mm-hmm. like pretty mm-hmm. soon so slow down and plus this yeah. is also in canada where you can drive 90 miles an hour in certain areas. And because there's just nothing. And you and you can see forever. Yeah. Like, so you would think you'd see if something, except yeah. for this, like, line of trees or whatever. The uh, the 401, where I grew up, took us from, uh, it took us into Montreal. Oh, okay. And when you got on that fucking thing and you were only doing, like, 75, people were going past yeah. you like you were, <laughs> like you were just standing, standing still. still. Yeah. So... As for the team, the Saskatchewan Junior Hockey League suspended the playoffs immediately for several days, um, as did the Manitoba Junior Hockey League, like in solidarity. On April 11th, the two remaining teams in the league and the championships in the playoffs, um, the Nippowin Hawks and the Estevan Bruins, resumed playoffs in the league championships. That's when they, they just had those two teams go. Um... The NHL, the National Hockey League, the CHL, the CJHL, and many individual teams paid tribute to the Broncos in games soon after the crash. On April 7th, which was the final game day of the NHL season, the Winnipeg Jets and the Chicago Blackhawks of the NHL had the word Broncos on their jerseys in place of their names Hmm. and stood all together in a circle on the ice during the national anthems in honor of the team. Uh, On April 8th, a vigil was held for the victims at the Broncos home arena, the Elgar Peterson arena. Um, My president, Justin Trudeau, (laughs) prime minister, (laughs) Justin Trudeau and Saskatchewan premier Scott Moe attended. Um, Survivor Ryan Strachinsky, Strachnitsky, Strachnitsky, I think it is, um, was paralyzed from the waist yes. down mm-hmm. uh, because of the accident, but he has reportedly told his parents that he wants to play sledge hockey in the Paralympics, which we saw. Sled, sled hockey, not sledge. No, it was called sledge in, in really? Wikipedia, and then I followed the link and it was called sledge hockey. I thought it was called sled. Maybe I I learned something tonight. But it's what it's what we saw the Hurricanes try to play Mm -hmm. that one time where it's like a single long skate that you kind of sit on partially. Yeah, for people who are difficult as hell. It looks so hard. The regular players couldn't do it. They're shit at it. (laughs) Um, So and each of your. You have two hockey like, sticks. Yeah, you have a hockey uh-huh. stick in each hand, a small one. Yeah, like to steer. You're mostly using it to gain speed on your right. sled mm-hmm. sledge, apparently. I guess, yeah. yeah. I thought it was sled this whole time. Uh, it said sledge and... Uh, okay. Anyway. I will, I will go with your research. <laughs> I've never researched it, so... After the crash, uh, Sylvie Kellington, a resident of Humboldt, started a GoFundMe page for the survivors... It raised a million dollars within the first day and four million dollars by the second day. By April 18th, 
over $15 million had been raised. That set a record for the largest GoFundMe ever in Canada and the second internationally in in GoFundMe's history. Oh, shit. The Humboldt Broncos Memorial Fund, Incorporated, was started to manage and distribute the funds. Um, And in November of 2018, it was decided to disperse the funds amongst the survivors and the families of the victims. So each survivor received $475,000, and each family of a victim received um, $525,000. They initially apparently talked about just dispersing them evenly, mm-hmm. and then were like, well, but let's just give a little extra to the people who lost somebody, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, they have a funeral to pay for and stuff. And yeah, yeah, absolutely. So hopefully, at the very least, mm-hmm. that stuff is covered. Plus, I mean, you, you probably don't think about it until it happens, um, but... Oh, I can't imagine the economic loss of losing somebody. Like, they lost kids, right. so maybe it's not so much like like the complaint I got about kids not being economically. But It's not the breadwinner. Right. But if you're the parent, you're having to take off work for uh, that you may or may not get bereavement time for. And even if you do, yeah. what are they going to give you, like three days yeah. or a week maybe? Yeah. Like, you're probably bloody useless for a month or two until you can, like, dig yourself out of your depression. And you probably need a ton of, like, emotional support. You probably don't feel like fucking cooking or doing any number of like you it just don't sounds, feel like doing a fucking thing. It seems very expensive to be grieving. That's yeah. all I'm saying. I have not had to deal with that yet, but the I I know the idea of giving people money who who <laughs> are having better knock 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 <laughs> on wood. <laughs> um, but I am please, all for. Please do. <laughs> oh yes. There you okay. Go. Yes. You were really asking yes, me to. Okay. <laughs> um. I am all for people grieving, getting whatever they need. So I really hope this at least helped some of the financial burden sure. for these families. So, Because there is a financial cost. Oh, yes. A huge financial cost in some cases. So on July 3rd, 2018, our first wedding anniversary. Yes. Uh, Nathan Oistrick was named the new head coach of the Humboldt Broncos. They returned to the ice on September 12th, 2018 against their prior playoff rivals, the Nippowin Hawks. Prior to the game, members of the community left hockey sticks outside the front doors of the Broncos players' homes to show their support. Three surviving players, Braden Camrod, Derek Patter, and Tyler Smith, returned to the ice and played. No shit. Yeah. Okay. Derek Patter said, quote, I'm just going to play for the guys that can't play hockey anymore. To represent those 29 families, 29 people that were on that bus, end quote. Most of the survivors attended the game and lined up on the ice for the national anthem. Here's a picture of many of the survivors, not all, but including um, Mm -hmm. the kid who who was paralyzed. Um, All of their jersey numbers and... uh He has a t-shirt that says Yenzer, which means he's from Pittsburgh. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, or likes Pittsburgh, maybe. One or the other. <laughs> maybe he wants to go on to play for the Penguins. <laughs> I, I'm sure he does. Uh, Crosby still plays for them. Yeah. He probably will for another couple of years, so yeah. 
all of the surviving players who, who didn't return to play and the deceased players, all of their numbers were retired. Mm. Um, and the numbers of those still playing will be retired when they're finished in the league. There was no captain of the team to honor victim Logan Schatz. Mm. Braden Cameron said, quote, This year, my responsibility is to be a leader for these new guys we brought into our team, and I'm going to be the best guy I can. End quote. As of yesterday, January 8th, as of this recording anyway, um, the Broncos are second in their division within the league with a record of 23-14-2. Good. And that, my friends, was this very sad story. Sad, but also, like, what good people involved. I don't know. Um, Of the humble... Broncos bus crash. Yeah, that's for me. It's something I I can relate to because going on road trips just about every weekend, driving. Mm -hmm. That's that's the easiest way to get into an accident. Driving. Oh yes. Not that never happened. Not to anybody. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but it could have happened so easy. Fucking odds were. Greatly that it could have happened at some point, yeah. you know. Yeah. Not necessarily a death, but you know, somebody in a car, you know, somebody getting hurt. It never happened. The only the only time it came close would have came close to happening is when the blizzard of '93 was happening. Uh huh. We were uh, playing the state tournament in Rochester, mm. and it came to a point in the day you could not even see across the street. The snow was coming down so hard, mm. and we had to get to an arena that was like on the outskirts of the city. Uh huh. And like one or two people decided to go, and the rest of us were like, like "We're no, not fucking driving yeah, in this." Yeah. And literally, like a half hour later, they declared a state of emergency, <laughs> uh-huh. and they're like, "Nobody can be on the road at all." Can you pound on that door really quickly? That's just in case everyone has been hearing Demetrius in the background this whole time. Well, he's, anyway. he's the always the guest star. <laughs> it's almost their dinner time. Certainly their begging time. But um, I just, like, I found this story really compelling, just the idea that, like, half this team was wiped out, basically. Anytime, uh, like, we'll do We Are Marshall at some point. I, sure. I know that's not the name of the disaster, but, you know, like, the plane crash with mm-hmm. the team, uh, the f- football team. Um, right? It was football. Yes, yeah. it was. Um, but when I started doing the research for this, and also just how coincidentally, like, that the court case got wrapped up yesterday, that, that was I, crazy. Yeah, the, the timing on that was... Uh, yeah, if I had been doing my research three hours earlier, it wouldn't have been... It was like the timing of the accident. Yeah, just, right? Just, just right place, right time, or wrong place, wrong time, depending. Um, but I just... Something I I don't know. I was just really struck by how well everyone handled everything. Like, it was just like, this sucks. This is awful. But this is an accident. And shit happens. And we have to just pick up and move on. Honoring the people who died, which they absolutely did, and obviously not forgetting people, being inspired by it, like um, like that kid Brian Cameron, mm-hmm. who was like, I mean, those boys probably like had to do an awful lot of growing up in a very quick period of time, you know? I also want to say they had them come out at one point during the Stanley Cup They very well final. may have. Uh-huh. I think they did. Um, yeah, I didn't list all of the... Um, 
all of the tributes and stuff sure. that they did. There was a lot of the... And that's another thing that I found really heartwarming was, like, the outpouring of the hockey community for yeah, it, well, you know? Yeah, it's, it's like, well, it's like how I described it. It's a, it's small a fa- world It's a, it's a family. Yeah. It's a fraternity uh-huh. is what it is, yeah. really. Except um, not creepy. Like, no, um, not at all. Like, actual fraternities. Um, but it has a familial... Yeah. I mean, I, I've had to been, I've had to go to tournaments with other people's parents because my right. mom couldn't take me right. or my dad and uh-huh. vice versa. And, you, you know, you just get to know each other one of your, six or seven, eight months out of the year every year. One of your good friends now, Jason, you knew from playing against his team in hockey. Against him, yes. Yeah. <laughs> when you are growing up. I knew his up. cousin, too. Yeah, that's right. Yes, I was, of course. I was, uh-huh. I was uh, Close friends, friends with, with his cousin, with his cousin. Yeah. but uh, but yeah, we also remember playing against yeah. each other. <laughs> yeah, and and just um, also the other side of it too. Like first, what what really struck me is how measured everybody's response was, as in appropriate, highly appropriate. Like nobody was being hysterical, which I would not begrudge anyone who just went through a grief. To be hysterical. But you know what we do here in America? We get outraged. Like, not the people involved. <laughs> like, we think it's everybody's business what's going on. And so we have internet fights over shit. Whereas here, it just seemed like the community came together. You know, they paid tribute to the people who died. Um, some of them kept playing. Some of them didn't. Some of them, you know, were moving on anyway. Uh, the families were supporting each other, and the driver did the right thing. Like, he really just showed a really high level of character to say, this is my fault, Mm -hmm. so I'm not going to put you guys through some drawn-out process. And the reactions from most of the families was, thank you. We appreciate that because we didn't want to have to relive this. And he knew that, so he didn't make them. And that's that's that level of taking responsibility is not common, especially I, no. especially here not. in America. Well, I mean, <laughs> I any, think through anywhere, this whole really. thing, that's what I was like. I was comparing everything to what if this had happened in America? It would have been so fucking shit showy and hysterical. Whereas, like, this was a good response to everything. Everybody handled it the best way they possibly could. You know? I don't know. I just am like, God damn, Canada, you're classy as fuck. <laughs> like, really, truly, th- there's good people in Canada. I'm, I'm constantly floored by how awesome Canadian people are. Yes. Anyway. My, my ancestors. Yes, your um, fur trader mercenary yes, mercenary ancestors. fur traders. <laughs> how many? How many of you get to claim that <laughs> as a uh, as a line? One a of my, familial line. Mercenary my, fur traders. Well, one of my ancestors was a Hessian drummer. That's true. That's that. And that makes sense. <laughs> but I just thought it was a really compelling story, and um, one of those. You know what? Like. Sometimes tragedy is just part of everyday life. Mm-hmm. And something this mundane but awful can happen. Yeah. And when it does, you have to deal with it. And then you have to move on. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's... Um, I just thought that everyone did the right thing. And that doesn't happen often in our tragedies, you no. know. So there's a lot of passing the buck in a lot of our tragedies. And 
this wasn't one of them. So, and it's just a, I don't, I found it equal parts like sad and inspiring. Sure. I mean, it, it's, it, it's all of that. Yeah. Um, probably, what was this? Probably 2005 or 2006. I think it was 2005 maybe. But, um, this player for, um, Boston University. Mm-hmm. It was his first ever shift. Like, he was a highly recruited player. Mm-hmm. And his first ever college shift, he broke his neck. <gasps> oh, my God. He got hit into the boards in just a weird angle and broke his neck. Like, was he able to recover? Or was no, it like a para- paralysis no, he's still thing? he's still a quadriplegic. Oh, my God. Um, but like, that was So a, you're like, I've made it. I've made <laughs> it. Was, oh, my God. But that was Poor another thing. time where the whole, ho- the whole hockey community, yeah. like, stepped up. Like, I, I remember, like, the... The Dallas Stars bought him like a retrofitted van. Oh, nice! So he could, Very um, good. I think the NHLPA. Uh huh. Anyway, that all the clubs or whatever put pitched in together or something that uh-huh. retrofitted his house. Oh, nice! Like all that stuff. So nice uh, to make it accessible. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like when when tragedy happens in that community, like they know how to respond. Well, well. They, people step up. Yeah. And I and I I think overall that happens in probably any community, no matter who those people are. But especially for the hockey community, when when a tragedy happens, like there are people step up. Yeah. yeah. Well, people people donated fifteen That's million dollars. I think it was Canadian, but still fifteen million dollars. And another great thing is that they did the right thing with the money. They said, okay, first of all, we need trustees like to yeah. to properly distribute this and they decided you know what needs to be done with this money give it to the families yeah. give it to the victims yeah and that was the exact right thing to do with it so yeah did yeah, you tear up a little bit yeah yeah it was a it was a sad one i mean i've i've been on on a bus no I think we only took a bus like maybe once or twice. What did you do otherwise? What was you- uh, just everybody drove with their oh, parents. Okay. Um, well, you weren't going like uh, what was the farthest you went for a hockey game? Um, driving, probably like right outside of Montreal. I, like I remember it was playing a couple hours, um, maybe. It was like a two-hour drive. Probably. Yeah, so you were within. And, like, in, a and Lake Placid drive. was just under a two-hour drive. Okay. Um, but there would be, well, no, there were times, I mean, Rochester was a four hour drive. We we used to play there all the time. Um, so probably, yeah, probably five hours was like the most, but the couple times we played in like Rochester or I remember we played in Albany a couple times. Those were the ones where you you stayed the whole weekend. Yeah. Yeah. Most of the time tournaments were accessible enough driving where you'd, you'd play on Saturday, drive back home. Right. Play on a Sunday. Uh huh. Drive back home. Then you, but yeah. Mm -hmm. But I've been to so many of these. Right. And right. know the whole experience. And it's, yeah, I can't imagine if something like that happened, like, when I was growing up. Yeah. Because yeah. I'll, I'll bring it home again. Like, like those kind of hockey families are exactly that. You know, everybody's going through the same shit. Mm-hmm. You know. So. Yeah. So I, I was just... I wanted to do this one, and I'm glad I did. I think it was a good... It's a good story. Mm-hmm. It's a good, awful story. You yes, know? it is. Um, but the, what makes it so good is is the reactions. How just, like, everyone did the right thing, and we don't hear much of that. 
That's true. <laughs> that is true. Because tragedy is inevitable in life. Like, we're all going to have to deal with shit. If we haven't already, we're going to in the future. And all we can do is try and react in the proper way. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly well, what all the these most, people did. In the, pro- in the most appropriate way we yes. know how. Yes. And that's what all these people did. And that's really admirable. And so Canadian. I love I love you, Canada. You're so... Our, our beautiful friends to the north. You're wonderful people. Kind of want to move there. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I, mind I'm, cold. I'm definitely down for visiting Vancouver. Uh, trust me, you don't want to live in Ottawa, Montreal, well, Toronto... Several of the Hamilton Toronto in the winter. Toronto seems like such a cool place. <laughs> oh, it is. I so want to go also, to Toronto. But it's also such a cold place for six I'm months okay out of the year. I'm okay with cold. Mm. Mm. No, I remember. I lived in Minnesota. I do remember, but you didn't. You spent some years. You didn't. You didn't. You didn't grow up. Oh, you didn't spend. Is this one of those elitist because I grew up in Miami? No, this is this is an elitist because I grew up in the freezing fucking cold. (laughs) Like you didn't know what it was like every day for your entire being until you were nineteen. You get you had very, some spaces in between. You get very cranky when it's gray outside for a while. So maybe maybe we shouldn't move to a place where it's potentially gray outside. No, we shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that was the story of the Humboldt Broncos bus crash. And this has been another episode of All Bad Things. I'm David. I'm Rachel. We'll see you next week. And know your exits and drive carefully. <laughs>